to everyone out there. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Talking Ticks. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me tonight, Tommy Johnson, Daniel Zollinger, as always. Got a few things to get into. Uh, wasn't a good weekend for LSU baseball. They dropped the series at Auburn. Uh, it may not bode well with the fans that wanted us to be one all along, but that may also not be a bad thing overall. We'll get into that. Um, LSU basketball men and women's picked up some transfers. We'll talk about that and anything else that comes along. Um, before we do, want to check in with the co-hosts as we normally do, see how you guys are doing. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, I wish I could say I was thrilled to to talk about this, you know, everything that transpired over the last week. But, I mean, it, was, it wasn't great for baseball, but, um, you know, it kind of rounded out positive with some transfer news. But other than that, hope you guys had a good week. How's it going? Good to be with you. Uh, decent week, decent weekend, except for uh, on the diamond. And, uh, you know, excited to be uh, talking about it with you right now. Um, kind of makes you, you know, the, the, I don't know about how y'all felt, but the kind of the results on the baseball diamond kind of makes you start looking ahead. Hey, we're not too far away from fall camp and, you know, reporting and Tiger Stadium, BK. <laughs> Yeah, I had a pretty busy weekend, um, caught some LSU baseball in the margins. You mentioned the football, Tommy. I saw somebody posted online that we've kind of passed the football equinox of sorts. We're, we're past the halfway point between our game against Purdue and the first game against Florida State. So we're over halfway so there. We're closer, we're closer to football than we than we than not. Right. Yeah, yeah, it happened at some point last week. So uh, we're, we're on the downhill slope there, which is exciting. But yeah, um, action on the diamond and uh, LSU no longer number one, unfortunately. Uh, so the the mighty have fallen, but we'll, we'll get into the details there. Yeah. And um, it's uh, we're looking towards the football season. I think there's still a lot left to be played with baseball, despite the series loss, which was our first of the season. True. Um, so everyone else in the conference has already done it. We distributed a lot of those series losses. Um, I kind of had a feeling it may happen. I didn't think it was going to be against Auburn. I thought it might have been against South Carolina, which, of course, again, we're never going to know, or maybe somebody we faced earlier like Arkansas. But Auburn was able to take two out of three from South Carolina on the road, no less. So I didn't think they were going to be an easy out. Uh, and you look at you look at the Friday night game. It's like <laughs> if if for whatever reason Paul Skeens Andre Morgan didn't play that game, I, you know we probably could have got swept because it was Paul Skeens' performance keeping them at no runs and 15 Ks, which is the most by any uh, conference pitcher this year, I think. Uh, and then Trey Morgan just did all the offense by himself, opened it up with a home run. Then he had an RBI single later in the game. And that was all the scoring we could get. It was all we needed. But <clears throat> looking back on it, it was kind of a, a sign of things to come for the weekend. For whatever reason, the arguably best lineup in college baseball just could not string any anything together. Uh, more than like, you know, a, a few spots here and there in, in, in separate innings. Uh, I remember game two, we had three opportunities, three with the bases loaded. One was with zero outs. Yeah. And we got one run. That is just inexcusable. 
it's kind of sad. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was going to ask you guys about this because obviously, you know, Jay Johnson, he's just playing to the numbers, right? Like we, we got the best hitters in the, in the country, you could say. And the, the no, the no outs base of Lotus situation, like the next batter was Dylan Cruz. And then after that's Tommy white, like, obviously you're not going to bunt those guys, but it's like the other opportunities. I don't know. You know, there was one, maybe two outs. Um, it's stuff like that. And the pitching that gave up the runs, right? Cause we kind of came back and took the lead. Yeah. But then our pitching gave the lead right back up. So my take on the weekend, don't want to spend too much time on it. Right. Personally, because <laughs> it's, you know, it's nothing I can change, but it's like, you know, what's killing us. It's consistency. It's like our, our pitchers, like some guys are good in certain games, but then you go to the very next game, their next appearance. It's like night and day. Yeah. It's the hitting. Right. So I'll, I'll toss it to you, Tommy. Uh, for me, consistency was the thing. Like if we had it, I think we'd be even better, but we don't. So that's why we're, where we are still, you know, one of the best teams in the country. Um, and I still think that the series loss and us not being number one doesn't kill us, but, uh, I don't know, man, it's kind of hard to think what could be, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the issue, um, wanting, wanting LSU to have dominant pitching is, is kind of like, you know, wanting to have a team that's 99 overall on a, on, you know, your favorite video game. If we, if we had if we had you know three absolute like lights out pitchers then we'd be unstoppable we have the best offense the best pitching in the whole you know game um pitching is clearly our weak spot and and it showed this weekend um what i think the takeaway is is one i mean it's it's taken how many we how many series how many weeks like how many games we like we've been able to to i think that um and you know baseball is a of course we are getting into the to the place where you know one game really does make it but baseball is kind of a long-term thing um it's not like in football where you play one game a week and that's that one one game decides you know one game against your uh, against an sec opponent decides the the uh the division or the or the conference um, I think that the thing that we can take away is that on average over a long sample size, I mean, we, we've played almost every, uh, sec game so far, like, you know, how many series we have left. Um, we've been able to, to be pretty much dominant. Um, I think this shows you what happens at our worst because it's when, when it's kind of the perfect storm, when, our pitching isn't isn't dominant, isn't even really good, and our bats just can't get it together. Um, that's why we lost game two. That's why we lost game three. Uh, but that has the those two games have been the exception this year. Like we've played more, better competition than Auburn consistently yeah. and we beat them so now I, I i don't think that's to take away like that is that is our problem spot like p- pitching specifically relief pitching um relief pitching and and you know number f- and, a, and a sunday starter are our main issues i mean floyd had a bad game uh on on saturday but it wasn't but he's been i mean when he's on he's almost as good as skeins um yeah, yeah five strikeouts in a row 
early yeah. in the early on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, I was going to do do my rant. You can you can finish yours first. <laughs> well, I just, I just think that, and and I think most LSU fans like when you when you see that, especially when you see like the box scores, like it's super disappointing and like almost embarrassing and you're like oh man the wheels are coming off like we've talked about this before on the <laughs> podcast but i i was thinking about it today kind of as i'm reflecting and i do think that look like this is not that we've we've we have been consistently very 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 good against very good competition the entire year this is one bad series right i'll start with my negative impressions from the series like you said, Tommy, and we've iterated this many times on the pod, we knew that the lack of consistency in our bullpen was going to catch up to us at some point uh, because even with the amazing power hitting that we have, eventually you're going to kind of get going to get a little bit cold. And that's what we've seen uh, this weekend, only putting up 11 runs across three games, which is hardly more than our season average for one game. Um, thankfully we did have Paul Skeens to hold them to zero in the first one. So the three runs was enough there to get the win, but then the bats just couldn't get alive. Even Dylan Cruz was in a bit of a, a mini slump for him, uh, not able to drive in runs. Tommy white also a little bit. Uh, so that'll be a big question mark. Can we bounce back next week against Mississippi state? This is the first time we've really seen that adversity this whole season. Obviously we've lost games before this, um, but not too, I think this is our first two losses back to back. Um, so yeah, that's a, a good chance for guys to really show what they're made of and, and write the ship here, even though it's, it's not the end of the world. We're still near the top of the sec and number two in the country, but yeah, the, uh, the relief pitching we've shown that we don't really have that, that guy who can be a good stopper who can come in like in a high pressure situation and really just in the inning and get us out of a jam. We often have situations where we burn through like three pitchers in one inning, just trying to get out of the situation. And then you've got guys scrambling to the bullpen to warm up. Uh, the walks are pouring across the plate. That was something we really struggled with this week was the walks. It seemed like half the batters for Auburn just were trotting their way to first base with little resistance. Uh, so we just got to find the control there and hope the bats can come alive a little bit at home back at the box uh, on the positive. I mean, it was a two and two week. That's not the end of the world. Like we won yeah. the midweek game against SLU and we did win the first game against Auburn. It wasn't like we just put up no fight at all. We had even a chance. We had the tying run on first base in the ninth inning in the second game. So it wasn't like we just conceded that one as well. So in Auburn, like you said, Scott, they had beaten South Carolina the weekend before. So they're getting hot at a good time. It's not the worst loss in the world. And we still got time to go back and get the number one seed in the SEC. And uh, we so were on the road yeah, too, uh, you know, like, yeah, I think that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. And it was a kind of a strange environment too, because Auburn, has like the small ballpark with the, the kind of the green monster in left field, a little bit different dimensions. Uh, LSU maybe not used to that. And we, we kind of saw that with defensive play as well. We committed a fair number of errors. I think even three or four in the last game. Uh, so just working on the fundamentals uh, will be something that can, can carry us a long way because we have the, the talent, the bats and, and even the pitching at times to, to win a national championship, which is still uh, definitely in the sights for LSU at this point. I mean, it absolutely is. And like I said, we, we'd have to go, something would have to go horribly wrong. I think for us at this point to finish outside, uh, you know, that the coveted top eight in the country for the postseason seedings, uh, which means we would have to travel 
uh, after the end of the SEC tournament. I don't think that's going to happen. We're not going to implode like that. All this loss does is, like you said, it highlights what's what's been going on, which thankfully we haven't had to experience. And I guess the consistency part for the hitting for me, it's it's like we've we've had clutch hits when we needed them because our offense is so good. It's hidden some of the pitching issues. You know, it's like Ty Floyd gave up like three or four runs one game, but, you know, our offense came in and saved it. Uh, they just didn't – they weren't able to do that this weekend. And I, I can't really say it's – like I, I I don't know. It's like I have a hard time believing it's exclusively because of Auburn pitching. Maybe, you know, maybe we just had an off weekend. I don't know. I, I could I could totally accept that. Or um, I don't know. I mean, some of these situations, like I said, if it's bases loaded, no outs, if, if Dylan Cruz is up to bat – Swing away, obviously. Tommy Weiss up to bat, swing away. Even Trey Morgan. Um, but, like, if it's bases loaded and it's, like, Malazzo or somebody, yeah, it's like it'd be nice to see some small ball. I, I know Jay Johnson's done that. But, again, I mean, with this lineup, just let people hit away. Like, Hayden Travinsky can surprise you with a, a three-run homer week after week or not. But I think the pitching – I mean, obviously losing guys has hurt us in spots. We just don't have as many available – Right, I don't think anyone before that was like the Sandman, where if you put him in, you knew what was going to happen. Like yeah. we didn't lose somebody like that, but um, just with the arsenal we do have, it's like we got to be able to, even if we can claw back and get a one-run lead, if we could just save that lead for three innings, that's the difference between winning and losing a series. And I got to say, uh, Christian Little, the way he started Sunday, I don't know, not it's, great. No, I mean it's it's also not what we've seen the last few weeks. So it's like, where, how did that happen? If it's just a, a bad game for him, you know, that's one thing. But I don't know that it is right because he's never really made it past two or three innings anyway. Nobody has on that Sunday slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, walking four batters, um, the first out of the first five you face, it's not going to help. And, you know, they were up six to one at the end of the first inning. I was like, ugh. I already have a feeling about this game slash series. And it, you know, it ended up being true. They they run ruled us. So yeah. First thing that's yeah. happened this season too. Which is a hard, you know, it stings, but like I say, if we can get it out of the way now, great. If we lose two in a row now and that's it for the rest of the season, I think we're fine. Um, but you also think about this. Anytime there's a number one seed in recent history for the NCAA tournament. They didn't go on to win it. So maybe it's a good thing that we got this out of the way now and Wake Forest plays phenomenally and they maintain that one seed because we don't want it to be us and then have to live up to that. So there's that. Yes. No, I agree with that. That's a good point. Especially in baseball, which is the most superstitious sport. Yeah. And one kind of final thing you had mentioned about Christian Little on Sundays is teams are a lot of them are employing a strategy against us where they throw like their worst starter on Friday when yeah. we have skeins because they know that skeins is so dominant they're probably going to lose anyway so there's no need to use their best pitcher when they can save him for Saturday or Sunday and us is we're, we're the reverse like we know Friday is going to be not locked up but we're got a really good chance to win it but on Sunday it's like who knows what's going to happen we that was that one like we're almost conceding it with our our lack of starting pitching there so it it becomes the Saturday game with Ty Floyd is really the toss-up whether we we win or lose and we saw that this weekend where it was a game that went to the ninth inning uh 
Thatcher Hurd actually pitched a little bit better this weekend, so it, it'll be interesting if Jay Johnson maybe throws him as the Sunday starter again because he had some looks there early in the season and kind of bungled it a little bit, um, but maybe he sorted things out, and that would be a big boost. So uh, look for that against Mississippi State at home, and, and the Bulldogs are struggling as well this year, so uh, that could be a good chance for LSU to to get the train back on the tracks. True. I want to see a sweep this weekend. <laughs> Brooms. Well, we need to lose the, the game tomorrow night, then. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> if we like we we saw what happens. I like, oh, we win the midweek game, kind of puts the weekend in question. But if we lose the midweek game, uh, statistically, we're going to sweep. True. Uh, transitive properties and all. But um, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, people changing their pitchers to like skew it against schemes, you know, Friday night, it's like, well, why put our best against their best if this guy is essentially undefeated, except for that one game? Um, it it kind of comes up into play with Alabama losing their coach, right? Um, which I want to talk about in a second. But uh, you said we got Mississippi State. I mean, they're they're not the worst team in the SEC. They're, like, right above it. Uh, definitely – you know, f- had fallen since they won the title, what, two years? Yeah, two years ago. Two years, and then, yeah. yeah, and Ole Miss is the same boat, right? They won it last year, and they, they, they it's looking like they might not, may not even make the tournament this year, which, you know, definitely happens. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're not going to be in that position. So I think uh, just play our game. Like you said, it's at home. I think we'll be – Okay, we just got to figure out who what that winning combination is with the pitchers. I know it's different, you know, against each opponent, but I don't know. Um, do you guys think that there's any not criticism, but just uh, you know, just questioning of like you said, like we could bring in three pitchers, sometimes four in an inning. It's like Jay Johnson will bring in one guy for one batter, and it's like he might get an out, but then they'll change him up. So I don't know. Do you think? Uh, what do you think along those lines? Like, do you think we are making the best decisions with the pitching for each, you know, for each batter that comes up? I, I Who am I to judge Jay Johnson on his decisions? But it's like, if you've seen some of them, it's like, uh, I, I don't know. It's like one guy will do great one inning, but he'll bring in somebody completely new for the next inning, and then it all falls apart, so... I, think I, know, I guess I'd want to know what his decision, like he knows more than we do, but what's his, like how he comes to those decisions, you know? I think it has to do a little bit with the, obviously you have the situations where it's like righty on lefty, lefty on lefty, that type of thing. But yeah. we kind of lack a bit of a, a specialist out of the bullpen, like a guy who's known for, really good, like absolute shuts down lefties or has this huge curve ball. And we're going to throw it against the guy who can't hit something in the dirt mm-hmm. or this guy can come in and like be just your, your setup man bar none it's kind of just we've got like seven guys who just they just come out and do stuff and so it's kind of just pick your poison there which is i think what leads to the situations we see with the bullpen like getting out of control and then we've used eight pitchers in one game is because we're just kind of throwing darts at the dartboard and and seeing what sticks um i I don't know how you alleviate that problem but that's just the way i see it (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I hesitate to to criticize um, or, or really question um, 
Jay Johnson just because it goes back to what I said about, you know, it's like, yeah, this this series sucks. Like, I, I don't want to lose to Albert and, and you know, and, and lose the way we did. But on on the whole, we have been dominant this year. No one can take that away. And so I think that, you know, I think that he know like he knows his roster. He's been able to he's managed the roster very well this year so far. Um, pitching, I mean, it doesn't take anyone, it doesn't take a genius to tell you that pitching is our, is our weakest point, but he's been able to manage it so far the whole time, the whole, you know, and, and do it very well. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like sometimes maybe I don't understand the the decisions, but I'm, I'm not at a point where I'm going to question it. Right. Me neither. Um, and as far as like the hitting aspect of it, you know, it's, it's just, it's just baseball, right? Yeah. Like, like some guys are hot, the team's hot, and you know, sometimes you're just off. Like again, I could accept it this weekend. You know, the, the bats were just off. Something else was off with the team. You know, maybe there's something different heading into this game. Maybe it's a feeling they had. Who knows? But as long as they like put it behind them and it's not on their minds, then it goes from just a, a bad outing to going back to what you're talking about with the superstitions in baseball, to where like. You you don't want to be in a you know in like a rut or slump. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, but you know, just looking forward. Uh, like I said, I hope putting this behind them is like all right, cool. We we got that out of the way. We don't have to lose twice again every this year because you know once you get into the postseason, that could be your season. You know, depending on where where it's at. I know in uh, I think it's SEC, but it's also in Oklahoma. It's like o- Omaha. Um, it's like it's double elimination. It's like the first for the first rounds or whatever. After that, it's single elimination. So you get to like the title game. So uh, that would, that bode well for us. Cause we hadn't lost two games all season, but like if we do, I'm glad we did it now. Um, yeah, really. Going back to what Daniel was talking about uh, as far as guys trying to backload their pitching staff and just basically give LSU Friday night. I don't know. I'm wondering if that's maybe what happened because after LSU took the series against Alabama, um, Alabama ended up firing their coach. (laughs) And it just came about in the weirdest way. It came about because some sports book in Ohio noticed a, a, I don't know, I'm guessing like a high dollar amount placed on uh, the LSU-Alabama baseball game on that Friday. And I know what most of you are thinking. We think it too. People actually bet money on regular season college baseball games? Apparently, but it's it's like rare. Daniel, didn't you say something like there's some bets where you don't even have to put any money down? You can just bet? Well, that's kind of how they realized what was going on because the amount that so supposedly what happened is Alabama coach Brad Bohannon called up his buddy who was like a high school baseball coach and was in Ohio. I assume he chose this guy in Ohio to, to move, direct some of the heat away from the immediate. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he told him to go put a bet on Alabama to, I don't know if it was ever specified of his, whether they're going to straight up lose or whether they were going to not cover the spread, but either way they were betting on LSU. Yeah. So he's betting against his own team 
And that same day, the starting pitcher for Alabama gets scratched about an hour before they were supposed to throw. And he's like their best pitcher. So you think, all right, this has something to do with it where he's like, I'm going to put in the backups and we're going to lose. I'm going to make a little bit of dough. Nobody's going to be any the wiser. But the problem is that so little money is bet on these college baseball games, uh, especially however a thousand miles away in ohio on the Mm. lsu versus alabama game where any sort of bet is going to kind of move the needle and they're trying to put so much on it that they're like something fishy is going on here because something i saw is where like they have lines for these college baseball games but almost all of them go like either zero dollars bet or very little like less than a thousand dollars total wagered and so you have to guess this guy was trying to plunk down i don't know like 20 50k or something yeah and then the sports books like holy moly like what, <laughs> what do these people know that we don't uh and then so the they immediately froze the betting in ohio and i think a couple other states as well uh, and then alerted the the gaming board, and I, I'm not sure how they traced it back to Bohannon, but it was pretty Our, swift justice because Alabama had fired him within a, a few days. The next him week. In two days, yeah, yeah. And then Alabama went and played the next day and beat Vanderbilt um, with the interim <laughs> coach. Uh, but it's just a bizarre story and continues the trend of weird kind of negative things going on in Alabama, but strange that it's tied into the LSU game going on. Cause we almost lost that game actually on Friday too. So he would have, he would have gotten fired and lost his money. Yeah. You know, what tipped him off is like you said, they, they put the bet on LSU. Like if he'd have put the bet, like that's why they kind of, they knew LSU was in the clear, Like you don't normally bet on yourself to win. And unless you're Pete Rose. Right. Oh no, he bet on himself to lose. No, no, I think no, I think that's his excuse. Oh, oh, was it? Like, or I, I want to say like what? Or no, he never bet on it. He never bet on his own teams to lose. He would bet on other teams to lose that he kind of knew information on. But he would. But if he ever bet on his own teams, he would bet on them to win. And that his excuse was, well, I never impact. Like, I can't. I can't help. Or I never threw a game. So, like, what's the what's the what's your issue with that? That's what right. I would say. Well, sure. Well, it's because you were a coach at the time. He was a player <laughs> coach. Long gone are those days. But it's like you, you can't bet on your team if you're <laughs> you're making those decisions anyway. But uh, going back to the, the LSU Alabama situation, they they took all the like what I heard is everyone took Alabama baseball off their books like indefinitely, but. The, what they what I heard is how they found out is yeah they saw this wager on LSU, and it went to Ohio. But somehow they figured out through security footage that that whoever placed the bet was on the phone with Bohannon, Alabama's coach, like around that time. How mm-hmm. I don't know how they were able to connect those two, but that's the case. And it goes back to what you're saying, like yeah he he wanted to put it as far away from imagine if this, if he had done this in Baton Rouge, right? It's like the call is coming from inside the clubhouse. <laughs> he's <laughs> betting on it as he's filling out the lineup card. I feel like uh, that's almost less suspicious. Cause you could just have some like LSU mega fan who is like, man, the balls are going to win tonight. I just feel it. <laughs> and then he just right. goes and puts some money, but in Ohio is like, who, who cares that much about LSU and Alabama baseball in Ohio? Well, the, yeah, the gaming commission does apparently. Uh, so there's that. And he was fired. And I think you'd mentioned, uh, yeah, Alabama had some other coach. I thought it was, uh, was it, was it football? Some guy, I mean, it was for personal reasons, you know, I'll say a domestic issue. I think, but yeah, somebody else was let go. 
uh, mm. within Alabama's program. Or no, it maybe it was athletic department, like in general. Mm. We'll get the specifics of that. Anywho, crazy, crazy story. Like what? I understand. Like he, it's like it's Alabama baseball. Like I understand he's, you know, he's probably in everyone else's shadow. Nick Saban, Nate Oates. Hell, I, I'm sure Alabama's softball team gets more recognition than he did because they won a title like two or three years ago. Yeah, but still, it's like you, you're a head coach at SEC program. If, like, and they're winning this year. Like they're 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 like middle of the pack in the in the Western Division. So what? I don't know. Uh, he'll have to explain that one, but still, just bizarre. Yeah, and, bizarre. and two weeks two weeks removed from the incident, they're saying that none of the players were involved, which that could have gotten pretty deep and and dark if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so hopefully it was just Bohannon doing it on his own on his lonesome, because uh, I know in some of these situations before they like they vacate all the wins and they kind of yeah. rule the season like null and void, and sometimes they shut the program down completely, like. Uh, for a year or two if the, the thing is spread. But they're still playing, so that's, I guess, a good sign for Alabama baseball as a whole. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, we I haven't guess seen, like, a major betting thing in, in Division One college sports since, gosh, what, like the two-lane point-shaving scandal? Yeah, I had to learn about that in college. <laughs> Wasn't that the when, 90s? Or Yeah, it was in the 90s, and two-lane basketball players were intentionally like missing free throws to try and skew or hit the point spread, and then they caught them too. And then I think they gave them the death sentence for like two years, uh, but they're back now. But yeah, we need a good scandal to keep the to keep the tabloids running. Yeah. Keep the podcast talking. There you go. Uh, yeah, interesting. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it... <laughs> I don't know if Alabama, like, yeah, like you said, Alabama, that very, they, their coach was fired. And then I think the next day they beat it, uh, they beat Vanderbilt. What was it? Like 11 to two, something like that. So they, I don't know, you know, in, in, <clears throat> uh, incentive, they were incentivized. They were mad. Uh, they, I don't know if they won the series, but still, it'll be interesting to see how they finish the season. Cause they still got their regular season and Hoover, I think they're like, I don't know if they're on the cusp of the, you know, the national tournament. I think they are. Like, I I, I think they, they'll probably qualify for 64 just based on schedule and what they've done because they are in the SEC. So we shall see. Um, anything else on baseball? I don't know. I feel like I forgot something. I think that's yeah. it. Okay. Well, moving on to uh, to basketball. Men's and women's picked up some recruits uh, this week via the transfer portal. Uh, Matt McMahon picks up former George Washington Center Hunter Dean. Uh, He is actually from Louisiana, so he's transferring back. Uh, Native son coming home. Uh, You know, I guess it's not Brian Kelly that's just looking to recruit Louisiana players back to, you know, recruit the boots. Basketball is doing it, too. Guy's 6'10", 235 pounds. Uh, he started out at Southern Miss, but then transferred his freshman season and has been with uh, George Washington ever since. Um, I mean, he's averaged like 8.7 points a game, but that's you know whoever George Washington plays. I don't know how that will translate into the SEC, but I, I guess at this point, Mac McMahon just needs some bodies, right? So Yeah, yeah at this point, it's just can we get five people? Right. <laughs> right. Well, can we I mean, build a team? He's a 
they, they got five transfers now this year. So whether we, we can put five warm bodies out there, we, we may go from two wins to three wins, but anything's an improvement at this point. You just got to see what happens. Yeah. Maybe we just got to trust the process. We do because we're not going to have Parker Edwards to lean on anymore. So I, I hope having <laughs> man knows what he's doing. Uh, just kidding, by the way, but he was, uh, Parker Edwards was a fan favorite. I think, I think he will be missed because, you know, it's like, that's the Rudy of the team. They would chant for the coach to put him in. And when he did, I remember one of the last few games, he would come out and he drained like two threes in a row. Oh yeah. P-Mac was going nuts. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, speaking of the P-Mac going nuts, they may do it again next year. Not only did LSU pick up the top transfer just a week prior, Haley Van Lith from Louisville, this week they picked up All-American forward Anissa Morrow. And she was like the second rated uh, person available in the portal. So LSU picks up the top two, which is pretty much amazing, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know that I can't think of any situation where we have hauled in the top two people available in a transfer portal in any sport. So, uh, but she, she comes to us from DePaul and obviously we're excited to have her. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, she averaged 26 points per game last year, which in the women's game is like shooting lights out basically. So Kim Mulkey has pretty much assembled the Avengers of women's basketball, so to speak. (laughs) And I mean, that's good for our title chances next year. The only bad thing is that now it's like almost expected where we won last year. We're supposed to have gotten even better. So the expectations are basically number one or bust kind of like uh, South Carolina last year. Um, so if we, if we don't bring it home, that might be a bit of a disappointment, but at least it, the, the hype is there for the women's basketball at LSU. So good for them. Yeah. At least we can have somebody win at the, at the PMAC. Um, and I mean, it is kind of exciting, like with Haley Van Witt and then now this new girl. And then of course, um, uh, by you Barbie staying, uh, I, I mean, you, you know, it's gonna be a great team and, I'm sure they're going to be as dominant as uh, as they've been. So maybe we can get another title. Yeah. And speaking of uh, one and two, I, I think I read somewhere that LSU has the top two NIL earners, at least for women, with um, Olivia Dunn, and then right yeah. after her is Angel Reese. Yeah. It's like three million and one point something million for Angel Reese. So uh, I don't know. I think that – at some point, you would think that might have to play into some of the, somebody's decision. Yes, we just won a title. There's an opportunity for growth. If you can play in the SEC, you're getting a, a lot of good competition and exposure. But also, in addition to that, uh, you know, there's some money to be made here. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't. It seems like Gordon McKernan never has. It does not run out of NIL money. He every <laughs> every player. Every player at LSU that's like pretty much worth anything, he is snatching up and and you know putting a, a big G shirt on. So um, there's definitely opportunity for them to make make money here. That's why the big insurance companies hate him because they know he'll take their money and funnel it straight into LSU athletics. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, but that, no, that money's flowing like the Mississippi, right? It's just yeah. no end in sight for the moment. Um, but we'll see. And other than that, I don't think there was really any news out of the uh, out of the football department. 
So all's quiet on the Western front there. And like you said, we're just, we're just looking forward to fall camp. There's some guy, you know, everyone's doing their off season conditioning programs. We're going to have new guys coming in probably at the end of July. So, uh, that's, I think we're fine there. Yeah. News um, is good news. It, it's, it's interesting, you know, and like maybe this, and like we've said before during the spring and then now a little bit of quieter way that LSU football is being run. She's not hearing much of anything, nothing bad, nothing good. Um, and I think it might be part of the BK takeover. This kind of, maybe this is the way he wants to run the program. Um, but I'm just, I'm just ready to start hearing something. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah i mean we're not hearing about any rests coming out of Tigerland on some odd weekends True. you know so that's that's always good no injuries no transfers although i think those are shut down for the moment so that's it's all good um i don't know when the next time we would hear something right maybe just in kind of the ramp up to when uh the new guys have to report but other than that it's like there's nothing really else that we should hear about until fall camp unless yeah i don't know maybe, maybe somebody can transfer I, I don't know i think they can transfer i don't know what the latest they could transfer is right like i feel like people can still transfer in the fall camp if they're allowed to just move seamlessly and not lose any time but other than that we're set yeah i think you're right okay well other than that anything else sports wise i feel like you know we could end it now but i don't know if there's anything else out there that was worth touching that's about it um yeah i guess watch lsu baseball this weekend they got tomorrow versus northwestern state and then mississippi state at home on the weekend so if you're going to the game have fun and uh go tigers yep i agree go tigers yes go tigers um I don't know. We're quick, real quick question. Have any of you guys been watching? Because I, I think the USFL, I think I saw a game this weekend. Have you guys been watching, following any of that or the XFL, anything? I, I watched there? a little bit of the of the start of that USFL game that came on after the Kentucky Derby. Mm. Um, but I have not been. It was like the I, I get so confused with all these different leagues as to which one's which. So it was the Memphis Steamboats or something like that. Um. And and yeah. I was like, I didn't even know that was a team. I really haven't watched any either. Occasionally I'll be at the gym and I'll have it like on the TV at the gym. So I kind of catch five minutes of it there. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Right. And uh, I'll be honest, I haven't even been paying attention to any of the NBA playoffs. Um, yeah. The, Hawks, the, are, Hawks are long gone. The only thing I saw interesting out of the NBA is that uh, Bronny is going to USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I meant to meant to mention that. So we'll see whether I mean I'm sure he'll be one and done, then going to the NBA. And LeBron still says he wants to play with the Sun. He'll be 41, I believe, at that point. But how is he going? Well, how does he plan on doing that? Kind of like gonna, Jordan. Is he going to force the Lakers to draft what, his son? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what? If, like, if, if, how are the Lakers going to get get Bronny? Or what if like what if enough? If I what if I was just a, a spiteful GM and I was like. You know, I think I'm going to I'm just going to take Bronny or before if I've got a spot before the Lakers, I'm just going to take Bronny just to see what see, you know, if LeBron can strong arm the Lakers into giving me something good for him. Right. Sure. Why, it's a big I, brain move. 
Yeah, no, I mean, the Lakers organization, that's pretty much been a family business for the last four decades. So I don't yeah. see them trading away everything that they have just so one player can, can play say that he played with his son. Yeah, I just, <laughs> like, you want to do that? You go to, like, you do what Michael Jordan did, and it's like you, you go, go to the Wizards, fire, you go play baseball, then you come back, and you're, like, part owner and a player of Charlotte, who was nobody at the time. Or they, they weren't great. At, I won't say nobody, but they weren't, like, top tier at the time. But, yeah, it's like if, he, if that was LeBron, he should stop, wait for his son to get in the league, and then go play somewhere and say, hey, you draft me, I'll come play. You draft my son, I'll come play with you. We'll make something happen. When, when was yeah. the last time a father and son duo played together? Was it, was it King Griffey Jr. King and Senior yeah. that played together? Yeah, and that was like barely. Like his, yeah. Did Barry Bob and Bobby Bond do it? Coach scenario too. Wasn't King Griffey's like? Wasn't King Griffey Senior kind of like a coach? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of like father son stuff, I read something where Griffey Junior, after he left Seattle, he he could have gone to Atlanta. But one of the reasons he didn't was because Bobby Cox had a strict, like, no family in the clubhouse policy. He wanted his son to be able to, like, you know, come and check out the clubhouse, hang out with the boys or whatever. And Bobby Cox didn't allow that. So uh, I guess what he went, he went to the Reds. Yeah, the Reds. Yeah. So imagine, like. Oh, my gosh. If we would have had King Griffey Jr. I know. During that. During that it was later on in his career, but still, like, he wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't shabby. Yeah. Yeah. But that just goes to show you, yeah, like father, son, family, stuff like that. It matters to some people anyway. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think that's – I could do it for us here this week. You guys had any final thoughts? No? Nah. I think that's about either. it for me. Um, Daniel? I assume that's all good for Daniel as well. I'll take his silence as a yes. So that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs this week. Tune in next week. We'll have the recap of this week, the game against Northwestern, and hopefully the, the series win against Mississippi State at home at the box. If you're able, please go. I'm sure it's going to be good. And anything else that comes out between now and then, because it always seems to, doesn't it? I don't know if Kim Mulkey has one more transfer up her sleeve, but I guess we'll find out in a week's time. And if she does, we're going to have it here for you. I'm talking ticks. So until then, have a great week. Stay safe, stay tuned, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Ticks.